Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Good day, one and all. Welcome. The Arnold Palmer Invitational Week is underway in earnest. Players are on the golf course right now. We have a three-way tie atop the leaderboard at this tender hour. Brendan Steele, uh, uh, McCarthy, and Grace are three at one under par. And the LPGA, the round has wrapped up. Coverage ended just around 6 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Patty Tavitanikit leading the way at five under par. Alim Kim, uh, NB Park, Daniel Kang, all are at four under par. Interesting with Daniel Kang. She, she said that she's actually training now at uh, uh, Ultimate Fighters Club gym. And she said that she wanted to train with people that were stronger than her, older than her, and faster than her. She wants to see what she can do to push her body to, to the max. So a very good-looking leaderboard there with major champions uh, in contention after that opening round, remember the coverage tonight comes back on the air again at 9.30 on Golf Channel. And I will give you all of the air times of how, when, and where you can see your golf coming up here in the Fairways of Life show this morning. Also, we're going to hear from Will Zalatoris competing in the Arnold Palmer Invitational and Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy's touched on a number of different subjects, including, as you knew he was going to be, he was asked once again about Phil Mickelson, and this time his comments about Phil Mickelson certainly were much more conciliatory than the last time he spoke about Phil when he was really angry about the things that Phil said. This was more about, hey, look, people can make mistakes and people deserve our forgiveness. We'll hear from Rory coming up in just a little while. The PIP was released by the PGA Tour. Now, this is the player impact program. And what's interesting about it is that The tour said that they were not going to release the PIP. And then they released the PIP. And then there was some discussion about it coming out the week. I don't know if it was official, the week of the players. And in any event, it's out. So here's the way that that player impact program settled out in terms of the top 10. If you were with us on the TV side, you're going to see it. And I'll add the money to it accordingly. Number one was Tiger Woods at $8 million. Number two was Phil Mickelson, $6 million. That's the bonus amount. And they've got an overall point total that I'll ask Dom about in a second who did some research on it. But what's interesting about that, almost comical about that, in some ways tragic, I suppose, not, not dramatically such, don't get me wrong, was that Phil put out his tweet, when was that, December? I think it was the 29th of December, if I'm not mistaken and said that he had won the PIP program, and and the way the money, I guess, gets distributed is you get half of it up front, and then the other half you have to basically earn additionally through showing up at some event that you haven't been at. And he was like, oh, I'm on on my way to the Tournament of Champions in Hawaii. Good. Again, and and even that, I think Phil got some, some pushback on because people were like, I don't know. What's a, what's a phrase they use nowadays all the time? Tone death? I mean, he was, he was going to play a tournament in Hawaii, a limited field event in Hawaii. It just doesn't seem like something that uh, people should be slapping him on the back going, thanks so much, Phil. That was really great. Um, but in any event, the big thing was they was wrong about 
winning the pip, I, I don't, you never know with Phil why he's doing it. I've, I've told you guys this a million times. He's a master of controlling the message. And as more often than not, through the, through the course of his career, he's hit the mark. Distinctively, recently, he hasn't at all. So Tiger put this out yesterday. This is Tiger's tweet. He, he did a screen capture of Phil's when Phil wrote, I'd like to thank all of the crazies and real supporters, too, for helping me win the pip. Double exclamation point. To get the second half of the money, I have to add an event I haven't played in a while. See you in Kapalua. P.S. I will try and find another hot controversial topic soon, which is a somewhat ironic, yeah, somewhat ironic uh, look towards the future on that one. So Tiger writes, he has the emojis with the, you know, the hands on each side of the face and all he writes was, whoops. So I don't know. I mean, how do you guys take that? Is, is that? is that Tiger having fun? Is Phil looking at that and smiling? Or is Phil looking at that and kind of grinding his teeth? Is it a little bit of piling on? Would, would Tiger have done the exact same thing had it happened without all of the other recent, recent Phil drama? I don't know. What do you think, Dom? Um, I think he's just, I think he's just needling Phil. I think we've all gotten to know Tiger a little better, sort of as a as a person in the last twenty four months. But Tiger, as a rule, doesn't getting... needle Phil. That's not what no, Tiger I don't normally agree does. With that. I think he kind of does now. I think in the last twenty four months, I think he does it privately, and now he's starting to do it publicly. I think we're starting to see more of Tiger as a person in the last, like I said, twenty four months or so. Between injuries and family life and getting older and having more appreciation for his accomplishments, he's becoming, he's let his guard down, say, 10%. And so I think this is just him. I don't think this is anything more than him just giving Phil the needle. Like, oh, Phil, you thought you won, you didn't win, I won. I'm still better than you. How about that? Whoops. I I think it's that simple. Okay. But it still Uh, feels good. I don't know why. (laughs) All right, I'm going to come back to you a second here, Dom, to go through the details. Because every player, like Tiger won with... 0.9664. 0.9664. Phil was 0.9307. Rory was number three with 3.5 million. And then it has Jordan at number four with 3.5 million. Bryson DeChambeau at number five at 3.5 million. Justin Thomas at number six at 3.5 million. I, I don't know how this program works, but I don't know why it makes a difference if you're three, if you're going to number them three through six, if they get the exact same. Right, and then seven, eight, nine, and ten are Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, and Bubba Watson. They all got three million. So, Dom, did you you got a chance? You're telling me to kind of look through these categories and figure out how and why the players ended up with the money that they ended up with. They did, yes, or I did, I should say. Uh, if you're watching on the TV side, there's what's, what's called an appendix, which is the scoring detail, which is essentially, again, uh, for the radio audience, this is a chart of each player and their score in the five categories used to rank these, these guys, this whole, this whole PIP system. So I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds, but I want to explain it in layman's terms really, really quickly. There are five categories. They're called the Google category, the Melt Water category, the Nielsen category, the Q score, and the MVP index. That sounds like gibberish, so I'm going to very quickly explain what they are. 
the Google category is obvious. It's the number of times that a player's name is pops up in a search on the internet in general. Obviously, Tiger won that category. Of course, everyone Tiger gets searched more than like regular any any other athlete practically, let alone golf. Now, the melt water score is essentially what you would call earned media, and what that means it's like the number of unique uh, like news articles that include this particular player's name in the all of media. And Tiger obviously won that category as well. The Nielsen category. Now, now hold on okay. a second, Dom, just so we understand. There, there's numbers associated with, like Tiger is one on the Google category. Phil Mickelson is two. And then Rory McIlroy is three. Jordan Spieth is four. Bryson Shambo is five. It, it runs almost exactly that way until you get to Dustin Johnson and he's number nine. There's a little bit of, but in the top five, it goes one, two, three, four, five. So when you talk about the meltwater, Tiger, once again, is number one. Phil is number six. So are you saying of this list, he was the sixth ranked player? Meaning there were, there were four players between him no. and Tiger. No. What does that mean then? No. It, it's the ranking on the PGA Tour. They're ranking everything. So, for example, again, for those who can't see the chart, we'll explain it. But if you look at number six on the list, who is Justin Thomas, you'll see that the Nielsen score and his Q score, which I'll explain quickly, uh, are both 12, which aren't in the top 10. He was the 12th ranked player on tour in those particular categories. If you go all the way to the bottom with Bubba Watson, who was 10th in the PIP, he was 23rd in Google, 32nd in the Meltwater score, and 51st in the Nielsen score. So the reason this top 10 has played out the way it is is because they use the combination of all of these these scores, and then you look at and you get that weird overall score ranking and then that's how you get the official ranking from everybody. So okay. the Nielsen score that I mentioned, that's the duration that a player's like sponsors, logos, and stuff are on the actual physical television screen, say on the weekends, on television, on like mm-hmm. CBS when they're playing down the stretch or whatever. So that makes sense that Tiger Woods' Nielsen score is 43rd. It's very low, considering he won. Very low almost the lowest on this entire list because he's not on TV that much. He doesn't, hasn't, played, hasn't been playing golf on TV. So the Q score, okay, the Q score is like, it's like, it's like the Q rating for a politician, right? It's the, it's the player's awareness score in the general public. So like if you were to walk up to your uncle, your mother, or your brother who doesn't watch golf, all you people listening or watching, and you say, hey, you know who Phil Mickelson is? Yeah. You know who Bubba Watson is? Eh, maybe, maybe not. And so that's why you see the Q score for Tiger and Phil are one and two, of course. Most people in the country know who Tiger Woods and Phil are just in general. doesn't matter if you're a sports fan or not. So that's what the Q score is. And, and that's why you see someone like John Rahm is 22nd in the Q score, which is an interesting discussion that could take us off onto a tangent, Matt. The fact that some of these superstars that we look at as superstars in the game of golf do not connect with the general public. Well, well, let me ask you a question though. The Q score, I get that it's based upon your kind of star quality rating. And I get, I get that Tiger would be number one on that when we're talking about vagueness and trying to read clouds. But do we have any idea what that's based on? Because Tiger was number one in that category. Phil was number two, which is a trend we're seeing in, in these numbers. But do we have any idea what, what they actually use to hard measure this, or is it gray? It's gray, but I also think it's a lot of measurables. It's not one thing. 
I mean, it's like getting a Q rating for, you know, a president. How can so you maybe say, it's like Twitter followers and things like that, like your social media. No, no, media that's plot. actually interesting you mentioned that. That's the MVP index, which is the last category. The MVP index is essentially their social media score, quote-unquote. So that's like mentions, player reach, you, you said, Twitter followers, engagement messages, you know, uh, reach, conversation around players on all the social media platforms, et cetera, et cetera. That is what the MVP index is. Which is so interesting. you'll see, like, Jordan Bub- Spieth is ranked 19th there. He yeah, Bubba's number one. Bubba has yes, 1.8 million followers on Twitter. He's number one. Number two was Justin Thomas, which is interesting. Number three was Brooks Kepka, which... That I kind of understand because I think all the dust up with Bryson DeChambeau made Brooks Kepka a smooth $3 million this year. So what did you say about Bubba's Twitter? He's number one. Bubba's got $1.8 million. So, so he also has 942,000 Instagram followers. So he's you know, over 2 million people, almost 3 million people, who are just following him. And that doesn't have anything to do with the Yeah, because his other numbers, Dom, are not good. Google, he's 23rd. Meltwater, he's 32nd. Nielsen, he's 51st. He's dead last in all three of those. Then we go to Q-score, and he's third. Third. And that's why I'm like, what well, that, is Q- that, I still don't know sure Q-score is. He's number one it's MVP. It's so interesting. What I think is so interesting about this, there's a lot of things that are interesting about it, and we could spend hours talking about it, but to me, one of the most interesting things um, of this entire PIP program, this Q score is very interesting and valuable in terms of placing where do golfers matter in the general public's eyes. Not sports fans, not golf fans, just the general public, like the Q score rating for a politician. So if... Bubba's number three, that means if you walk up to Joe on the street in New York, Joe's going to be like, oh, yeah, I know who Bubba Watson is. But he has no idea who John Rahm is. And that is so interesting because in our little world, even in a sports fan world, John Rahm, you know, world number one, world beater, well, incredible whoa, whoa, whoa. golfer, Hold on like a massive superstar. If you're, if you're saying he wouldn't, that, that casual dude on the streets of New York wouldn't know John Rahm, John Rahm and the Q scores ranked 22nd, right? So it's a plausible thing to say. But however... Bryce DeChambeau was the exact same number, 22nd on the Q score. And I'd be surprised, I mean, I suppose if it's just with some casual person on the street in New York. I think you could ask anyone on the streets of New York if they know Tiger Woods and everyone will say, yes, get it, understand it. Same as a lot of huge, huge, huge stars. But I think when you got to, okay, Phil Mickelson, just a casual person on the street, might know Phil. They might know Rory. They might know Jordan. I don't know anybody on this list that you could go, hey, if you went up to just anyone, what are the chances they'd know? Now, if you went up to sports fans, I think that changes the picture. And now that's what I'm getting at when I'm looking at Bryson and John Rahm, both at 22nd. I would think that most sports fan would, fans would know Bryson DeChambeau. His, his category there at 22nd surprised me, which still makes me wonder what the heck Q score is in terms of how it's actually calculated. I'm trying to find out exactly how it's calculated. And it's it, like you said, I think the term you used earlier is gray area. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why one of, one of the things that people were complaining about with this PIP program, even after this was released, and there's been tour players. There have been players on tour yeah, I who are, I guess you could call them middle tier guys who are like, listen, 
I think Pat Perez said this. If I won five times next year, I wouldn't even be in the top 50 because I just don't have, I don't check all these, you know, quote unquote popularity boxes, if you will. And so it doesn't matter what I do. I'll never get onto this thing. They, they, the, the original intent was if you play really well this is, and you engage with your fans, this is another way to sort of pay you penance, to make sure you're getting your due because of how well you played, how much you engage with the fans, how, how great of a golfer you are, and how you represent the tour and all this other stuff. And I think there's a lot of players that would say, eh, this is just kind of a popularity contest no matter what you do. Well, I I'm mean, not there saying were, that there... it is or isn't. It's just no, you're not, you're not incorrect in what you're saying because Kevin Knott kind of threw some shade on it where he, he gave the obligatory, I love Tiger Woods, and clearly those two are good friends. But then he was like, but Tiger didn't play. And what he just won was equivalent to winning four to five, at least, tour events. So there, there was some shade. And then you remember when, when it came out, Colin Morikawa apparently finished 11th on the list. And for a while, I don't know if it still has it, he had changed his... his uh, Social media handle where he took the two L's and made them two ones for 11. So I guess he was a little put off by it. You got a guy that wins a major championship and, and it's not. I mean, the big thing the players are, are complaining about, those that are speaking publicly, is the fact that it's really not based upon what you did on course. It's, and that's what you see on your screen now if you're watching on television. Andrew put it up. This is something that the No Laying Up guys put together. It's a chart. Oh, yeah, this is really good. Earnings. And Patrick Cantlay is the leader, like across the board, number Why don't one. You go, everything. Go and through he's their categories. The go ahead, Dom. Go through the categories. On so it so it's the number of events they've about. played. It's the the money they won in those events. Also, the money earned in the FedEx Cup. They also have the Comcast Business Top Ten, I think it's called. And then, of yeah. course, they have the PIP money as well. So that's sort of all of the money that they earned that these that said players earned over the course of the entirety of the season. And then those, those, those totals, the, the money, the actual monetary total. And Patrick Cantlay, again, if you're watching on TV, I'll read it to you. Patrick Cantlay won $23.8, roughly, million dollars last year. And he is not, he's nothing on the pip. Call Morikawa is one, two, three, four, six on this list. I think he tweeted out some shade as well, Matt. He was 11th on the list. So he didn't break into the top 10 to get any money either. And he made more money than everybody on tour except five or six people. So, you know, it's interesting. I think, I think this whole program is interesting. I said something to, to Matt. I think it was actually off the air yesterday or the day before. And I said, if this truly is a way of paying penance to Tiger Woods um, and sort of trying to keep him relevant, I completely understand that. And I think most of the PGA Tour players would agree it's deserved for him so why don't they just set up like a, a like a grant or like a they could just set up some sort of program that just pays Tiger eight or ten million dollars a year to be like the quote brand ambassador for the PGA Tour or like the 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 face of the tour whatever it is and then he gets his money but instead they they did this which is interesting there's I, it's fun to talk about but like we said I mean even there's some tour players who are playing well, like Cantlay and these guys who are just not going to get any credit for that. Yeah, Xander Shoffley, it kind of seemed lukewarm to the idea, et cetera. Players that don't necessarily have the personalities that that are like they want to constantly engage and jump in and all the rest. So to those numbers, again, for those of you that are on the radio side that couldn't see them, I'll I'll, I'll give them to you, where 
Patrick Cantlay, in 24 events, he earned $7,638,805 in PGA Tour events. FedEx Cup, he earned an additional $15 million. The Comcast, that's the top 10 through the regular season, he earned $1.2 million. For a total for Patrick Cantlay of $23,838,805. Now, if... When I saw this on No Laying Up and sent it to Dom this morning, I thought it was an excellent job that journalistically, this is a really good job that they did putting all this together. And then someone, because it's Twitter, someone came back and said, hey, don't forget about the pension program, which also compounds. And then someone else said it's about $6,000 a cut. So assuming that Patrick Cantlay made, well, see, you can't tell with him because you get more when you have top finishes and, and wins. So there's another category there that I don't know how to do the calculation with, with cuts made, but there's even more money on top of it. And again, I'm not sure why No Laying Up put this out, but what I read from this is in the discussion of looking at players and going, well, how are players compensated relative to other sports? Now you've got the top money earner in the game of golf making $23.8 million, round up $24 million. Right, John Rahm is second, seven point seven million earned, actually number one on the PGA Tour last year. That was more than Patrick Cantlay. Five million for the FedEx Cup, one million from Comcast, three million from the PIP program. Noting that Patrick Cantlay got zero from that program, as Dom's noting. So John Rahm is number two in earnings at sixteen million seven hundred five thousand nine hundred and thirty-three. Who are you interested in, Colin Morikawa? He's one, two, three, four, five, sixth on the list. Seven, just over seven million earned. Only four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in FedEx Cup. He just didn't play well at the end of the year. I, it was the same thing when he was leading at the Hero and then didn't play well in the final round. What I saw with Colin Morikawa, a, a number of players, really in fairness, but certainly with Colin Morikawa, to my eye, I just saw a, a t- player that was tired at the end of the, the counter year. Uh, Two million dollars for Comcast. He earned $9.5 million for the season. Uh, Dustin Johnson, $9.1 million, because remember, he got $3 million from the PIP. Phil Mickelson, on the PGA Tour last year, let's see, $9 million, rounding up from $8.847 million. And that included $6 million from the PIP program, earning $2.7 million uh, from, from those guilty of obnoxious greed. All right, uh, Brooks Kepka earned 8.6 million tiger earned <laughs> tiger earned it even 8 million it was the pip money the, the encore zero obviously you know zero 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 in every category he earned 8 million so and here's kevin let's see what kevin Na earned just uh, because he was he was throwing some shade at him just curious uh 3.625 official earnings 4 million from fedex cup played well total 7 0.6. So you, again, you could round it up to 8 million for, for ease if you wanted to. Fascinating stuff. And so I thought that was a really good chart that No Laying Up put out there as well to give us an idea of, of what this all means and, and where it all stands. And then at the end of it all, you know, I realized that we're a golf sports talk show, you know, and I, I, I realized that our job is to, to discuss what's going on in the, in the world of golf, but you know, at, at the end of it all, 
does it does it start with just like in any other sport? Does it start just to become monopoly money? You know, uh, I I see the I see the way that that different people are reacting. Golf Twitter, whoever I I don't know whether whether you would call these people media members or not. I guess anyone that's dispensing information that other people subscribe to and want to hear uh, is is some kind of member of the of the media. Uh, and they they seem to be in some way upset by the PIP program. Uh, but I just wonder for us as fans, does it matter to us that that they essentially have a a bonus program built in? I mean, me personally, I if they were going to do a bonus program, I think I think it's forty million total this year, and I think it's going up to fifty million if if I'm not mistaken, maybe more. Okay, well, how about taking that fifty million and doing all this same all these same calculations and spreading it out over the top 200 players. Would that be fair? Right? And then figure out as, as a percentage, maybe the money runs out before you get down to, you know, 100 or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how it would work. But if, if people are upset with the sense of, of a lack of equity, I, I don't know. What, is, what are they upset about? Uh, the rich get richer mentality? Uh, again, some of the players have, are having an issue with this, so there is some merit in having a discussion. Uh, outside of that, you know, most most of the the hardened opinions that I've seen, again, from golf uh, people involved in, I, I'm, I'm using the word media broadly because I'm not even sure how you define it nowadays. I do think that if you follow a particular entity for their opinion and for their analysis and for other bits of news that, that they bring to you, then they are, in essence, media. Uh, but there are, are some more, more older kind of ingrained media people that just seem to be dead set against the program, downright almost upset about the program. That, that's the thing that I think is interesting. I'm not always sure if, if there's merit in that rage or if it's based on some other opinion that's that's hardened into a general discontent for everything that the tour does. I don't know. I'm not trying to support the program or dismiss the program. I honestly don't know uh, what my opinion is on it, to tell you the truth. I'm curious what you guys think about it. I don't know, again, if I care one way or the other. I'm just being honest. Uh, it's, it's the PGA Tour's money, meaning the player's money, and if this is how they choose to distribute it, okay, Maybe there's a, like I said, better, more equitable way that they could do it that would, would touch the lives of more people. That would be interesting too. Uh, it, I'd like to see that, I think. So when we come back here on the Fairways Life Show this morning, uh, you, you are going to hear from Will Zalatoris. Uh, I'm also going to give you all of the air times of how, when, and where you can get your golf. It is underway as we speak. We have a four-way tie atop the leaderboard at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, Steele and Brendan Steele, Nick Watney, uh, Brendan Grace, uh, Max Homa are all at one under par. Uh, Steele and Watney are the deepest into their round, five holes into their round. Uh, what is interesting, too, is all four of those leaders, now granted, it's early days, it's only one under par, um, but all four of them teed off on number 10. The rough out at Bay Hill is just that. It is very thick, it is very long, very lush, so it's going to be a challenge for the players. There is little doubt about that, and, and the conditions this morning, it's still cool this morning. It was when they, when they teed off, it is still right now, but for sure, 
the the golf course is going to be paying a little bit softer than it will this afternoon when they're expecting winds to creep up. We'll talk about that more when we come back. Plus, as I mentioned, Will Zell Torres talking about what it's like to be playing at Bay Hill there representing himself as the Rookie of the Year. More of the Fairways of Life show after these words brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. They are the number one golf retailer in America, and they are because, yeah, they have everything you could possibly want to make your golf game complete, including uh, getting analyzed, including getting lessons, whatever it is that you're looking for for your game. They have all these simulators that they'll work with. Uh, They'll make sure that if you're going in to buy a club that you can try them all. Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist, Cobra, Ping, try them. See which one you think is right for your game and compare all the numbers to make sure that it is perfect because you're going to be dealing with people that are true professionals. I think that's the secret to why they're number one. Check them out at PJTourSuperstore.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs, the Tour Ball reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear and where you get your golf gear matters. PGA Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PGA Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. Ireland is home to over 400 courses, including a third of the world's natural links and a selection of exceptional championship courses in amazing locations, as well as hosting the prestigious Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, and the Open. Experience golf like you never have before from Royal Port Rush, Royal County Down, Port Marnock, Lahinch, Valley Bunyan, or Tralee. Let yourself be embraced by the culture and history and feel the warmth of the Irish people who will make you feel as though you have not left home, but returned to it. For more information, log on to Ireland.com. The Fairways of Life show is live every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube and the Fairways of Life apps. We'll take you inside of the game with interviews, news, discussion, instruction, travel, equipment. You'll get it all and so much more. Join us on one of our fan trips to a dream destination, or maybe you'll even win some new golf clubs as part of our monthly giveaways. Download the Fairways of Life apps and subscribe on YouTube now. It's free, live, and 24-7 on demand. No limits, no cost just golf. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. Created without the constraints of time or money, PXG Golf Clubs are the most technologically advanced available today. And they are a perfect union of art, science, and engineering. And the PXG experience is unlike any you've had before. After you've been custom fit, your clubs will be built to exacting standards and your exact specs in the USA. So when you hear it, you know. PXG. Nobody builds golf clubs the way we do. Period.
Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Thursday. Play underway at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Henry Stenson has joined the party at one under par and sits a company to top the leaderboard with Steele, Watney, Grace, and Homa. Uh, Patty Tavitanikit leading the way on the LPGA. Lots hey, of this people weekend, in, Matt, on this PIP stuff. Yeah, hold on one second, Don. I just want to tell everybody that this weekend on our national show, we're going to do something really special, something that we love to do, and that is to honor the legacy of Arnold Palmer. A few years ago, it was actually right shortly before Mr. Palmer passed away, uh, we sat down and did a long-form interview with Mr. Palmer. And uh, this this picture that Andrew just put in behind me uh, is the actual setup. That was That's actually a... a a picture frame capture from from the video itself and the space that's behind him was this tiny little sitting room uh, in this tiny little house that we were in that Mr. Palmer told us he, he wanted to move back into which was which was amazing because of his humility and uh, but anyway that was the chair that he was sitting in when we were doing this this interview and it, it again it was unstructured it was long form we think it was the last one of that nature that he ever did and we had this opportunity to talk to him about a lot of things in his life and in his career. My favorite part about the interview was asking him about the likes of Walter Hagen and Gene Sarazen and, and Bobby Jones and Ben Hogan, Sam Snead, uh, Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, etc. The list goes on. And in that part of the interview, that, that segment of the interview, I asked Mr. Palmer if he would allow that I would just say the name. And for him to react with whatever reaction he has, it is fascinating to hear this man and and have him connect the way that that he did and does uh, because he was a human bridge uh, to eras and because he was one of, if not the most important people in the world of golf of all time. 95 professional wins, 62 of them on the PGA Tour. He was a seven-time major champion. He was amongst the inaugural class of the World Golf Hall of Fame in 1974. He played on six United States Ryder Cup teams, 1975 United States Ryder Cup captain, 1996 U.S. President's Cup captain. We forgot about the Ryder Cup there in the early 60s when he was the last playing captain of the same as well. 1954 U.S. Amateur Champion, Bob Jones Award winner, uh, Tom Old Tom Morris Award winner, Payne Stewart Award winner, Presidential Medal of Freedom, Congressional a golf medal as well. It's it's amazing when you let that sink in just for a second. And bear in mind, that's just a piece of his accomplishments. That doesn't speak to the impact that Arnold Palmer had because right as television was discovering golf, remember the first Masters was televised in 1956, Arnold Palmer turned professional at the very end, almost the holidays, of, of 1954. So his first professional season was 1955. He won for the first time in Canada uh, on the PGA Tour. Uh, it's, it is truly remarkable. He had this ability through his charisma, through his good looks, through his humble background, uh, through his smile, all of it that made up his it factor to connect with people in a way that we have yet to have another player that comes even close uh, you often hear, you know, like a Ricky Fowler has this, has the it factor that connects, and he does. But what Ricky doesn't currently have, and he's and he's run out of time to, to to catch up, was he doesn't have the same competitive fire. He doesn't have the ability to do what Arnold Palmer did, which was to close. Arnold Palmer physically was a much stronger and larger 
human than Ricky, and and he could even back in the day. And remember, you're relative to you, to the competition and all the equipment you're using at the time. He could blast the golf ball. This he would hit this low draw, penetrating, and just his mentality was that there wasn't a flag that that he wouldn't go after. It was he was truly truly a remarkable man. Uh, he he brought the open to the stature that it joy, enjoys today, which I realize is always kind of an odd thing to say. Be like, please. It's the Open. It's been around since 1860. It, it didn't need anybody to, to save it or to bring it to a different level, but he did. <laughs> he actually did. Because even when, when Hogan went over in 1953, and Hogan only went over once, played once, won once, it was at Carnoustie, uh, after the Second World War, when Great Britain was rebuilding itself the, along with the rest of Europe, uh, there, it, it just it did not have the trappings of what it is today. We look at what it is today and assume that it was always this way. It wasn't. Arnold Palmer decided to go in 1960 because he and Mark McCormick said that you can be a global player. Let's go to the Open. Let's play well there. It was at, in 1960, it was at St. Andrews, same place as this year. And, Andrew, I don't know if you have the, the video that I shot from 2015. Uh, he finished second that year in 1960. And he was mad about it because the weather interfered with it, decisions that they made, wiped out holes that were played, etc. He ended up finishing second to, to Kel Nagel that, that year. Determined, he came back and he won the next two. Think about that for a second. He won the next two Opens. The last Open that he officially played in was 1995. And that was at St. Andrews. It just, it just, his magic contributes to the magic of, of this very special place. So the impact that Arnold Palmer had on the game of golf is something that I do believe. And I love the fact that the Arnold Palmer Invitational has been elevated in its stature. So too is the Genesis and so too has the Memorial uh, that it gives us an opportunity every year to remember the impact that Arnold Palmer had on the world of golf, how important it was how it continues to resonate, how it lifted us to the points that we're able to get to now. And this doesn't take anything away from the likes of Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods and, and all of the other players uh, that have continued to contribute to the game of golf as we know it and make it just as special as, as it is. But there weren't any others that in all combinations and for all reasons that were as special as Arnold Palmer. He stood alone. I've oftentimes said, look, I know that if you judge the the best tour player of all time, Arnold Palmer wouldn't, wouldn't be atop that list. He'd be high up on it, but he wouldn't atop, be atop it. Uh, that's, that's a conversation for the likes of, of Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods, or Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus, depending upon your perspective on it. Uh, I definitely think that Ben Hogan deserves a mention in that, particularly when you, when you craft it against uh, his car accident and what happened to him. Uh, oh, Andrew just put it up. This is the video. I, this is actually me shooting this from my phone. And you can see there in the red trousers in front of the RNA building at the first tee, because the first tee and the 18th hole are next to each other, St. Andrews, 2015. You're going to watch Arnold Palmer probably hit the last tee shot, certainly the last tee shot publicly, probably, of his life. And there you saw it. I was, I was with uh, my friend. Frankie the Blade Van Dorn, and it was at the end of the day, 
And I forgot that, there, that this Champions event was going on. And I, we were walking into town to go to the Dunvegan or the Scores to get a, get a whiskey and a pint. And we walked up Links Road. You can see the people in front of us. And Mr. Palmer was teeing off. So we were able to capture this incredibly special moment. Unbelievable! It, it's 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 almost emotional even just watching that. You could you could see the all the people out on the upstairs on the on the on the the deck area watching from the RNA building. It's it's just it's it is truly incredible. So this week we celebrate Arnold Palmer. Uh, you can catch our national show through all of our affiliates around the country uh, from coast to coast. Uh, NBC Sports, Valley Sports, AT and T Sportsnet. Uh, Ness and New England Sports Network, Root Sports in the Northwest, Direct TV. There's a lot of different ways that you can get our coverage. Uh, that's why it's hard. I can't give you an airtime because it varies depending upon time zone um, so that you'll get a chance to, to watch this show that we put together with Arnold Palmer. It also features Zach Johnson this week, the new United States Ryder Cup captain. Really cool show indeed. So with that, and I will give you air times of the golf coming up here in just a, a couple minutes. Uh, first of all, to Will Zalatoris. Coming back to, to play at Bay Hill now as the rookie of the year uh, as his mantle. He's, he's a Wake Forest alumni. Uh, he was also asked if there's anything specific that he learned about himself the week of the Farmers that he hadn't known before. Here's Will on those. Yeah, it's a huge honor. Um... You know, I was actually telling the story this morning that uh, Coach Haas came up to me in a junior event saying that he was going to offer me the AP, which at the time I was in the middle of doing SATs and AP credits for class, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And, he's, and I was thinking, oh, Coach, I really appreciate that, but I don't know if an academic scholarship is kind of up my alley. He said, no, it's an Arnold Palmer scholarship, you big dummy. So, um, you know, he's. Uh, I got a letter from him uh, congratulating me on winning the U.S. Junior and obviously accepting a scholarship. And uh, I've got that framed at my parents' house. And um, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, Amy Saunders actually wrote me a letter as well after the Masters last year, which was very cool to see that that tradition passed down uh, in the family. So obviously, um, being Rookie of the Year was a massive honor. But um, you know, being on his scholarship as well at Wake Forest was. Um, as I always tell people, when you get offered the Arnold Palmer Scholarship to go play golf, I think your decision on, on schools is kind of made for you. I had a really good off season. Um, you know, I put on 15 pounds of muscle, added some length to my driver, which was was really crucial. And I was really looking forward to getting back to Pebble because, in some respects, that's kind of a home tournament for me, being born in California, um, in a place that I'd gone to a bunch growing up. Um, and so I, I really was looking forward to that week to kind of get some vengeance. And unfortunately, I had to sit on my butt for a week and kind of take humble pie and go back and watch the tournament. And, you know, obviously I knew the mistakes that I made because obviously I was there. But um, knowing the thought process that I had um, and being able to kind of look on the outside in was really beneficial. And. You know, each week, I mean, really compared from last year to this year, it's just about getting better every week. And, you know, as much as I'm probably one of the guys out here that you could put me at the top two or three of, you know, hey, when's he going to win? When's he going to win? But, you know, my job every week is to get better, and I know the wins are going to get in the way. And, you know, I think honestly, if you even want to call the failure, I guess, of not winning 
uh, Tory, I think, is honestly going to propel me to win more just because I learned so much about myself. Interesting that he would put himself, he said, you can put me at the top two of three. Uh, I forget exactly how he defined it, but paraphrasing who, the players that are most likely to win next who haven't. I'd put him at number one. I'm not sure. I'd be curious who he has at number one if he puts himself at two or three or even uh, number two on his list uh, at that. So, Dom, you were you were saying that uh, you said you want to wrap a bow around the pip or something. Are you getting some comments coming in? Oh, no, in? I was just saying there's lots of people coming in with comments. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion for sure. Someone wrote, um, we're on various platforms, YouTube, Facebook, all over the place. You can download our app, listen to us in your car, whatever you want to do. Um, so we get messages coming in throughout the program. Someone wrote, if Phil gets banned, will he still get the money from the PIP going forward? The reason that's interesting is, first of all, I don't think he'll be banned. I don't think anybody thinks he'll be banned. I guess if the league, the Super Golf League actually happens and Phil leaves, then maybe there's a discussion there. But what's interesting there is Peter Malnati, who's one of the co-chairmen of the, the policy board there, came on with us, I think it was last week, and he mm-hmm. said that Phil's actions were severe. And he needs to be disciplined, period. That's literally what he said. So I don't know what that That's like the like. nicest guy on tour that that's like, like, yeah, something needs to be done. So, I, I mean, maybe punish is a strong word, but I do think that the PGA Tour will do something. They probably haven't decided what. Even, even Peter said to us on the show, I don't know what that is yet. I'm sure they want to discuss it. Um, well, bear in mind, Dom, there is but, a lot of, there's a lot of, because the tour doesn't release this information, there already is great speculation that he's already serving a suspension, that it's already happening. Fair enough. But what I was getting at, based on this gentleman's comment on the program, is, well, I don't think he'll be banned. I I do think it's possible, whether public or private, that they don't give him this money. They say he was disqualified or something like that, and he doesn't get the... I don't know. I I, Uh, I wouldn't go down that road with speculation, Dom. We know know that to get the second half of the money, they have to do something. We know that he went to Kapalua for the Tournament of Champions. So, I don't know. He may have already earned it. I I would advise caution in terms of how we read that. Uh, What else you got? I would not be surprised if Tiger wins the pip every year and he won't even have to play. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like a statement of obvious. Yeah, of course, of course, of course you're always going to win. Well, see, that uh, lends itself to that. will be won long after we're gone. <laughs> right, but that also lends itself to the, to the discussion of why did they start the PIP program? Again, this is one of those things that, that there are people who believe that the program was started as a, call it a precursor at least to the public knowledge of, of what was going on with the Saudi-back Super Golf League in terms of trying to appease in some way the top players to go, hey, it's not so bad here. We'll even find ways to get you a little extra dough, right? And if that was the case, I could see where from a PGA Tours perspective, from a PR perspective, it would have been devastating if Tiger Woods somehow associated himself with another league. It would be. But I don't know what that association would be because Tiger's not playing right now and doesn't know when he's going to be able to play, maybe as a spokesman or as an ambassador or what have you. So I don't know whether that was part of the program. I certainly think if you're going to put together a program that had covenants of of you earn the money because of what you did in these specific categories, Nielsen and Q rating, blah, 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 and all that. But to get all of the money, there are things that you have to do. Like you have to show up at events that you haven't been at in a long time. 
Okay. I'm surprised if, if, it, if this is what my, my question would be to those who are convinced that this was a reaction to the threat of, a, of another leak. Well, if that was the case, then why not make that a covenant of the money? You're giving bonus money. So it's not like it's based on some playbook that, that exists in terms of how money can be distributed. You're, you're, you've got a new program, you're giving the money. Why not make it a covenant of the program to go, this is providing that you don't align yourself with a competitive league that you have not been granted a uh, permission by the PGA Tour to compete in because the PGA Tour does give people the permission to compete on other tours. They did at the Saudi International to a bunch of players, 21 players, if I'm not mistaken. So if they wrote that in there, that would be different, but we don't have any indication that that's in there that we know of. What else you get? Uh, just one more thing here that I wanted to mention because I do think it's interesting is uh, someone says I would spread it out over the top 50, which is kind of a little bit piggybacking off what you said. I think you mentioned the top 100. And no, I said top 200. The, just for the quick math for those, if it's $40 million and it's the top 50, that's roughly $800,000 per person down that list, if, if, if it's spread evenly, which it may not be. But Why would you spread it evenly? How, 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 is that a, how does that program engender any, any call to action at all. Because it, the presumption is, is that you want players to engage with people. It builds the player's brand. It builds the tour's brand. It just builds golf in, in, the, in the universe that is social media as, as part of the discussion points. Well, that's so, kind of what the Comcast Business Top 10 stuff is. Am I wrong about that? I mean, that's purely no. No, if the you com- finish the com- in the, the top 10, you get extra money. It's yeah, a but bonus that, that's for playing well. Right, but the reason why that's there is because any time in any sport and any league that you have a playoff system where players have massive rewards through the playoffs, it causes people to go, wait a minute, what did I just get for having an exceptional regular season? So what they tried to do was try to put in a program that rewarded players for a really good regular season. If, if you look through that no lane up sheet of the money, that's exactly what happened with Colin Morikawa. He got a big reward for what he did through the regular season. Then he didn't play great in the playoffs. He made $425,000, if, if my memory is correct. Top guy made $15 million. So they, they were trying to find a way to go, okay, we want the regular season to count for something. And that's why they put that program in there. I'm not sure with golf if the players themselves kind of shrug their shoulders at a regular season event other than maybe Brooks Kepka. I don't think they do because it's real money and it, and it comes with, with a lot of rewards that, that are associated with it. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would say if, if for me, it, it's, it's not about just spreading out additional money and going, hey, you know, here's money for you guys just because we want to give it to you. It, it should be based upon some kind of measurement and in this case, they're specifically looking to tap into the world of social media because uh, seemingly everyone is living and dying in, in that digital realm, including us. I mean, that's, that's the world well, that's that we what, are in as well. I think that's what the players are complaining about it being unfair. You're talking about the money being distributed, not evenly, but even tiered, to correlate with how well you play. And this PIP program doesn't really have any correlation to how well you play. It's like... How many Twitter followers does Bubba Watson have? And so you have players like Xander Schauffele that are like, listen, I don't care about Twitter. I care about winning majors. So I'm not going to spend time on Twitter. 
But that's how he's going to get all the money if he spends time on Twitter. Well, that's how he's going to get additional <laughs> money. He, he's Again, I don't think there's anybody as, as great as Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay are. I don't think there's anybody that thinks that they're going to start to challenge the popularity of Tiger Woods. They just don't have the personality to do that. That is an it factor that they do not possess. So from that standpoint, you're talking about a program whose intent is to get people engaged with the game of golf, with the PGA Tour, and in this case, with specific players. And these specific players, for a variety of reasons, got people engaged. And the $8 million certainly got Tiger Woods' attention. That's why he sent that tweet out kind of mocking Phil and saying, whoops, because Phil said that he won it. Which, again... You set up that- a pit program for this show, I'm just saying. Yeah, you'd win that, though. I could use an $8 million bonus... <laughs> For my Twitter followers or, or whatever it is. I'll post every day, Matt. Whatever it takes. <laughs> All of a sudden, this has become frightening. All right, so let's go through some airtimes for this week for golf. And then don't forget, Rory McIlroy still coming up on the Fairways of Life show this morning. For the Arnold Palmer Invitational, we have it for you on Golf Channel today starting at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Same time on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. 12.30 on Golf Channel. 2.30 on NBC. PGA Tour Live is live right now. You can find it on ESPN Plus, four different feeds, 7 a.m. today and tomorrow, 7.30 a.m. start time on the weekend. PGA Tour Radio, noontime on Thursday and Friday, 1 p.m. on Saturday and on Sunday. The Puerto Rico Open uh, coverage today will be on Golf Channel at 10 a.m., uh, same time tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday at 2.30 p.m. The HSBC Women's World Championship, we mentioned earlier, uh, Ta- Ta- Patty Tavitanikit leading the way at five under par, has a one-shot lead over three. Uh, that will be on television tonight at Golf Channel at 9.30 p.m. Friday and Saturday it will be at 11 p.m. PGA Tour Champions, 6 p.m. tonight on Golf Channel, 5 p.m. on Saturday, and 4.30 p.m. on Sunday. Rory McElroy, when we come back, weighing in on some of the subjects we've talked about today. Huh, Ridgeback. Ridgeback? That's pretty cool. So it's a brace for the face. Ridgeback. Like the doll? I'm, I'm really a cat guy. So what is it? The best feeling and longest metal that you'll ever hit. Was that Bernhard? Oh, great. Langer. <laughs> You know why I play Tour Edge? Because I win with it. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. Created without the constraints of time or money, PXG Golf Clubs are the most technologically advanced available today. And they are a perfect union of art, science, and engineering. And the PXG experience is unlike any you've had before. After you've been custom fit, your clubs will be built to exacting standards and your exact specs in the USA. So when you hear it, you know. PXG, nobody builds golf clubs the way we do, period. Here at Boyne Golf, each course tells its own story about friends, about challenges, about unforgettable moments. This is Michigan's Magnificent Ten. Golf as pure as it gets. 
The Fairways of Life show is live every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube and the Fairways of Life apps. We'll take you inside of the game with interviews, news, discussion, instruction, travel, equipment. You'll get it all and so much more. Join us on one of our fan trips to a dream destination, or maybe you'll even win some new golf clubs as part of our monthly giveaways. Download the Fairways of Life apps and subscribe on YouTube now. It's free, live, and 24-7 on demand. No limits, no cost, just golf. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear, and where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. Back on the Fairways of Life show, welcoming your company from wherever you're joining us around the world. Matt Adams here with you behind the glass, Andrew and Dom, on this Thursday. So Rory McIlroy is a past champion of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He was asked what it was like to be back there in such status. He was asked about that rough. Remember I was telling you earlier about how thick and how heavy it is? It's all overseeded. Uh, he was asked if there was anything specific swing-wise that he and Michael Bannon are trying to work on. He was, he was asked this about the platform in golf that he uses to speak out to on what things that he thinks are important. And he was asked if he wasn't a golfer, would he still speak out on them, which I thought was interesting. I'm thinking to myself, uh, to who? Isn't that the same thing we all do? If, if, if you don't have the platform like Rory McIlroy, you can have any opinion you want, but I don't know where we on Twitter? I don't, I'm not sure what that meant. So curious what his response is to that. And given the current dynamics in golf, did he think that eventually we're going to be moving towards a world tour in essence? A good question there. And then he finally was asking, this is what I was talking about when we first came on the air this morning, about was he surprised the fact that sponsors started pulling away from Phil Mickelson? Here's Rory. Yeah, it's always good to be back at Bay Hill. Um, I didn't play this event for the first few years of my career and then um you know finally came here in 2015 and don't think i've missed a a tournament since so um we all know what arnold palmer means to to the pga tour and to to the game of golf in general so um it's always nice to be here and um try to you know sort of remember his legacy and uh and remember what he meant to everyone and you know, he was probably the catalyst with maybe a few other guys of, you know, why we're here today and why the game of professional golf is at, at such a high level. So um, nice to be here. Nice to pay our respects and uh, looking forward to another good week. Yeah, it's um, it's a different course setup this year. I don't I don't, um, don't quite not understand, but it's a it's a departure from what they've done the last few years. The, 
the roughest pick off the fairways, but then what they've done is they've taken out a lot of these runoff areas off the greens where historically it's been you'd miss the green, it would run off, and you'd still have, you know, you'd chip off short grass, for example. And now that's all just been filled in with rough. Um, so even like, you know, left of the first green, um, sort of right. Yeah, there's just so many areas that there were runoffs and, and sort of tight areas, which I think lends itself to the better chippers of the golf ball. Um, that's been sort of taken away this year, and I don't um, don't quite understand why they've done that, but it's def- definitely a, a different test than, than one in previous years. Yeah, I mean, just trying to get just trying to get the club a little more neutral at the top. Um, trying to feel like I um, sort of have more awareness of what my left arm's doing in the backswing instead of what I felt like I've got so right-sided in my thoughts recently. So, you know, trying to initiate the backswing with the left arm, left arm and the club going back and just letting that left arm sort of rotate up onto the plane. That's sort of what I've, what I've been trying to feel. Look, I'll, I'll, only, I'll only voice my opinion on things that I believe I'm educated in and believe that I have a right to talk about. Um, so there's certainly things that I won't get into just because I'm not, I'm not completely educated on that topic and, and feel like giving an opinion probably isn't the, the right thing to do. Um, but when it comes to golf and PGA Tour stuff, and you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty educated on that stuff and... and um, and I guess with that voice comes responsibility to, to try to do the right thing. And, that, and that's all I try to do. I try to make comments or, or speak about things to, you know, you know to do the right thing. And, and, and that's, that's the reason that I'm maybe a little more outspoken than, than other guys. Obviously, this um, strategic alliance between DP World Tour and the PGA Tour, um, PGA Tour buying a stake in European Tour Productions, Jay having a seat on the board in Europe, um, they're certainly working much closer together, which is a great thing. You know, I think that's, you know, it, it, it needs to be that way. We, you know, the, you know, the game of professional golf, everyone needs to be trying to pull in the same direction instead of pulling against each other. And, um, you know, I think we're getting closer to that spot. I mean, I think it would be easy for, you know, it's, it's not as simple as this, but, you know, you, you know, the guys at the PJ Tour could just, you know, literally walk down the street to the, the guys in the ATP and, and just have a chat about what, what they do. And, and it's, it's, a very, it's two very, very different structures and different schedules. But um, I think there is, a, there is a path where one day there could be, it might still be two tours running side by side parallel to each other. But, you know, basically for, you know, it, it would be a, a global tour or a global schedule. Yeah, it's um, it is unfortunate. I think Phil has been a wonderful ambassador for the game of golf. Still is a wonderful ambassador for the game of golf, and it's unfortunate that um, a few comments that he thought he was making in uh, in confidence or, or off the record got out there, and um, you know we're not used against him. But it, it's it, the whole this whole situation is is unfortunate. Um, but look, Phil will be back. He's, you know, I think, you know, the, the players want to want to see him back. Want to, I mean, he's he's done such a, uh, you know, such a wonderful job 
for the game of golf and he's represented the game of golf very very well for you know the entirety of his career so um look we all make mistakes we all say things that we want to take back and you know no one's different in, in that regard and um but we should be allowed to make mistakes and we should be allowed to be you know ask for forgiveness and for people to forgive us and and move on so you know hopefully he comes back at some stage and uh and he will and and people will will welcome him back and and be glad that he is you know he is back yeah i think so like i've been a a member of the pack now for a few years and then worked my way up and on the policy board this year and for the next few years um yeah it's been an education for me i certainly know a lot more about tour business now than i than i did before i started and um yeah, it gives you an appreciation. It gives you an appreciation for how hard everyone back in Pontevedra works. Um, you know all the all the things they do for for PGA Tour members. Um, you know the pension plan, deferred compensation. I mean, it's the it's the best structure that um, the best structure in sports for for you know a, a league of athletes or um, our members. It's. Um, yeah, it's it's just been a real education. I think the more people that want to get involved in it and learn about it, it's just a. I think it would be very beneficial. I don't think it should be something that should be forced upon the players, but um, I think uh, maybe the tour doing a better job or being more um, you know forthright or whatever. I think you know having two or three mandatory player meetings a year maybe isn't quite enough to to get the points across that they want to get across but um and i think that's the other thing for pj tour members they have to realize that you know the the pj tour executives and everyone that works back in ponte Vigia, they they work for us and they're trying to do the best job possible for for the members of the tour and all the net revenues flow to us and um but at the same time we have to keep them accountable and make sure that they're doing a good job and um from what i've seen over the you know the last few years they they handled handled the pandemic well, um, probably better than than most other leagues did. Uh, you know, they came out of that financially very very strong. Um, probably 2021 was their best every year in terms of financials, and um, you know, there's more and more revenues flowing to the players each and every year. So, you know, I, I feel like they're doing a really good job, and um, I would be the first one to put my hand up and say if they weren't. Um, but right now, I, I appreciate the job that they're doing, and um, I hope most people on the PJ Tour appreciate that too.